say no, say no more. <laughs> but uh, opportunities like that are a blessing and encouragement to us. Am I doing all right up here, or do I need to adjust anything? All right. Okay. Now, I, I want to begin this morning on a personal level, and uh, you'll understand why as I develop what I want to share and go along with you. But uh, I've realized something fairly recently that has been very, very challenging to me, and I trust it may be to you also. And this is what I've realized, that as I grow older and struggle with health issues day by day, as is uh, the case uh, for us, I find that to stay close to the Lord, I have to work harder. Now, some of you may not be happy with the way that I've, I've put that, and uh, I, I understand your reaction, because you may say, hang about, I thought salvation was by grace, that it was totally free, that we're forgiven for all our sin, that we don't have to do anything to get to heaven. So what's this guy doing talking about having to work harder as he gets older or as he gets nearer to heaven, which is um, uh, the bottom line of, of it all, isn't it? So let me explain to you what I mean. I don't mean working harder to please God in the sense of earning something from him. I do it because I love him and I desire to please him. I don't mean uh, I have to work harder to be a good little Christian and keep down the old nature and keep my uh, anxiety at bay or my irritability or, or whatever at bay because these things still hang around no matter how old you get, don't they? That's not what I mean. What I mean is this. I have to keep stirring myself up to remain hungry for God. I have to keep working for a closer walk with God, to know Jesus better and better. And you never stop at that. No matter how old you become, there's always more. That's what I mean. Knowing Jesus, loving God, enjoying the fullness of the Holy Spirit, having an intimate close fellowship with God. That's what I have to work harder at. I can think of some verses that uh, in, encourage me in this way. I sat down the other day and a dozen or more verses came to mind off the top of my head that reminds us that maintaining our relationship with God is something we must strive to do. There are some lovely verses that uh, Christians like to quote back in the book of Jeremiah where he says I know the thoughts that I have for you plans it is in some other lovely versions of the Bible I know the plans that I have for you plans to bless you and not to harm you plans to do you good 
But what a lot of people don't notice is, while they love to quote that verse, and in the next verse, or the one after, it says this, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what I'm talking about. Seeking God with all my heart. In his letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul says this, I realize I haven't yet achieved or attained what I seek for, but this is what I do. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining for what is ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Hunger for God. Never being satisfied. Longing for more. Day by day, wanting to experience Jesus and uh, uh, to know him in deeper and more intimate ways. Some of you know that I, I love to read Christian literature. And I jotted down a, a number of little quotes that uh, uh, I've picked up just recently. And, and here's one. The great London preacher C.H. Spurgeon, Spurgeon, you may have heard of him, a uh, hundred or so years ago. And he said this, There is a point in God's grace which is as far above the ordinary Christian as the ordinary Christian is above the unbeliever. Do you know anything about that? Or have you been on the same plateau and level ever since you became a believer? There's more, Spurgeon is saying. There's a point that's way up there to which we're encouraged to strive. Because God wants us to love him and wants us to be hungry for him and to thirst after more uh, of him. Isn't, isn't that so? Uh, here's, here's another one. This is an old Puritan, uh, uh, one of the great preachers in the days of Oliver Cromwell a few hundred years ago. Uh, but he was, he was uh, a chaplain of Oliver Cromwell. And, and he writes this. There is a light that comes and overpowers the believer's soul and assures him that God is his and that he is God's and that God loves him from everlasting. He says, it is a light beyond the light of ordinary faith. A light beyond the light of ordinary faith. That's what I want. That's what I long for. That's what I have to keep stirring myself up to reach for and to strive towards. Because as one becomes weary in body, it's possible also to become weary in soul and to start freewheeling and taking it easy and miss God's best for you. That's where I am. I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm sharing with you 
things that God has spoken into my heart in recent days to draw me closer to him and to stir up my soul to a holy dissatisfaction. Here are some words I picked up from a a great American preacher. Uh, He he uttered these words on his deathbed. And uh, uh, because he'd been widely known and had had great influence, uh, friends jotted down things that he shared as he neared eternity. And he says this, Oh, he says, if Christians only saw the inconceivable glory that is before them and the preciousness of Christ, they wouldn't be able to refrain from going about leaping and clapping their hands for joy. He says, when I read John Bunyan's description of the land of Beulah, where the sun shines and the birds sing, I used to doubt whether there were such a place. But now my experience has convinced me of it. And it, is, it, it infinitely transcends all my previous conceptions. He'd seen it. As he neared death, he saw it. He had a glimpse of it. He had a foretaste of it. And his soul was filled with a glory. He writes um, a, a little bit farther on in that quotation. I just picked a couple of sentences. But he says, If only I had seen this 20 years ago, I would have been saved much trouble and delivered far more from the clutches of the devil. If only I'd seen it. Oh, I don't want to come to that place where I say, if only I'd realised. If only I'd known. May God help us all to be dissatisfied, to be thirsty for him, for a closer walk with God this morning. Here's one more. Another man coming towards the end of his life. And he writes in his journal, almost every week and sometimes every day, a pressure of his great love comes down upon my heart in such a measure as to make my brain throb and my whole being groans beneath the strain of the almost insupportable fullness of joy and he quotes a little poem you may have come across it burn burn O love within my heart burn fiercely night and day till all the dross of earthly loves is burned and burned away and it goes on in another verse it says oh jesus jesus dearest name Forgive me if I say, for very love, thy precious name, a thousand times a day. Don't you want to be filled with Jesus? To be satisfied, to be immersed in his love? That's something that I long for. And uh, I share this with you uh, because I, I, I want to encourage you 
not to be satisfied and to reach for more. And if you feel you've failed and you've grown too cold and, uh, and you've got so far away from the Lord, that is not possible. There is no such place. If you're a child of God, there is always a new beginning. Always. No matter how far you may feel you have fallen or backslidden, there is always a beginning because God wants you a whole lot more than you want him. That's where it is. Now, I know you've done studies in Ephesians recently, so let me remind you of some lovely verses. I need my glasses for this. Here's Paul praying for the Ephesian believers. He says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, God may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I encourage folk to take that prayer and to make it personal, to put their own name in place of the you and uh, the exhortations in there, to make it your own, that you too may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, Christians sometimes get hung up on some of these spiritual ideas, concepts, like this one of being filled with fullness. Let me explain it to you like this. Paul is talking more about quality than he is about quantity. It's the quality of your life that he's referring to. Not just whether you're full to here or here or only down here. It's the quality of your life. Filled with all the fullness of God. Totally sold out and given to him. That's what he longs for these believers. Now, let me move on from there. In the New Testament, when believers were at their best, they were described as being full of the Holy Spirit. That was often the way. Uh, Those of you familiar with the book of Acts and uh, other passages, you will know that this was often the way in which believers were described. When they were at their best, they were full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not taking a different tack by saying this, as you may think. Uh, I, I believe in the baptism and the fullness and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, I'm speaking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in a slightly different way in our lives. And... To convey to you what I'm thinking of, I can take some words of Jesus. He said this, He shall glorify me, for he will take what is mine and reveal it to you. 
John chapter 16, verse 14, if you don't remember where that comes from. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It is through him that I see Jesus. It is through his ministry that I am filled with the love of God and victorious over temptation and besetting sin. The work of the Holy Spirit, the the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And in another place, the Lord Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How long is it since you asked to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit? Do you do it regularly? As a pastor, I would often put this question to people when they came to me and confessed to spiritual dryness and to struggling and and to being beset by doubts and fears. And I would ask them, do you pray regularly to be filled again with the Holy Spirit? Because that's what Jesus says. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask? Here's another quote, a favourite of mine, a great American preacher by the name of D.L. Moody. And uh, he started life as a shoe salesman. And he was converted in the 1859 revival in America lived in Chicago. And uh, very quickly after his conversion, uh, it was seen that he, that he had gifts and that, that he was anointed in a particular way. And so he was sent out to gather in a crowd of ruffians and to make them into his Bible class. And he was very successful in that. And he went on to become the pastor of a very large church. It's still there today. He's not the pastor, of course. Uh, He actually wrote, he said, one day you will read, D.L. Moody is dead. Don't believe a word of it, he said. I will be more alive than ever I have been while I've been on earth. So anyway, uh, so uh, he was used by God. He was a great evangelist, visited this country several times. And although he didn't have a a high education, hardly a secondary education, let alone college or degree level, he was was loved in the universities of, of, of Cambridge and Oxford and saw many converts in his ministry in the universities when he was in this country because he was anointed. Anointing is more than academic qualifications. So there he is. But he had a couple of dear ladies in his church. They'd been with him for a long time. And they, they, they often said to him, Mr. Moody, we pray for you. Thank you, he said. I, I need prayer. Thank you. We pray, they said, that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he thought to himself, I'm an evangelist. Hundreds of people come to faith in Christ through me. I thought I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But as they kept saying it to him, the words niggled him, like dripping water, as it were. And he says this, I became convinced of my need. I began to cry to God as never before. 
the hunger for this grew and grew. And I kept crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, what a day. I cannot describe it. It's almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me. And I had such an experience of his love that I even had to ask him to lift his hand from me because I felt I couldn't bear any more. Are you there yet? Are you anywhere near that yet? You see what I mean when I say we, we must keep on stirring ourselves up, reminding ourselves there's more, never being satisfied, longing for a closer walk with him, longing for uh, fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit and fresh experiences of Jesus, longing for intimacy with God in the midst of all the clamour of this world of ours. So there's Moody. He says, I went on preaching the same sermons because evangelists do that. You, you, you take your sermons. If God has blessed them, you, you use them wherever you go. There's no, no problem with doing that. But he said, after that experience, instead of, being, uh, of people being converted in fives and tens, dozens were coming to Christ. Scores were being converted. There was a fresh anointing. There was uh, something more of God upon the life and in the ministry of that man. Now, don't you want that? Are you hungry for God this morning? Are you dissatisfied with where you are? How much do you love him? How much more of him do you want? And how much more uh, uh, can you take, we might even say? So let me dwell for a minute or two uh, uh, upon the work of the Holy Spirit. Because... The New Testament speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit uh, for our purposes this morning. There are other things, but just for our purposes this morning, the Holy Spirit speaks, uh, the, the Bible speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit in two uh, particular ways. First of all, there is God's action. There is something that God does sovereignly. We read of the disciples on the day of Pentecost. They'd been studying their Bibles together. They'd been praying. They'd been sharing together in fellowship uh, because Jesus had told them to, 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 to wait, stay in the city until you are endued with power from on high. They had no idea what was going to happen. That They just had Jesus promise that something would and they also had his word that they were going to go out and be witnesses even to the ends of the earth. So there they were. And what do we read on the day of Pentecost? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like that, instantaneously. No, no, no expectation other than the expectancy of faith, but nothing tangible. You see, no, no, no evidence, but suddenly they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now God can do that. I know we, we, we call that the baptism in the Spirit. Sometimes we talk of it as the initial experience. I believe it is possible to have more such experiences. Because a couple of chapters later, 
We read about Peter and John and they're being challenged and they're uh, sharing uh, what Jesus has done in them and through them and we read they were filled with the Holy Spirit again, within days, filled again. Why not? More and more and more. They were put in prison. They went back to their, uh, their fellow believers after having a night in prison, told them how they had been threatened by the Jewish leaders and told that they mustn't continue to preach and they go to God in prayer. And as they pray, this is what we read. The place in which they prayed was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You see? Have you been satisfied with one filling of the Holy Spirit? Or have you had any? There are more. Brothers and sisters, there are more. Seek God about it. It's something God does. There's a sovereign side to that. Uh, but, But it's worth seeking him. It's worth laying it before him and crying out to him and, and telling him uh, how, how you need more and you need more and, and we can never have too much. After his experience, that famous evangelist Moody used to pray regularly to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. He hardly prayed without asking God to fill him again with the Holy Spirit. And somebody asked him, Mr. Moody, why do you keep on asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, because I leak. Because I leak. Do we not leak? I certainly do. Don't you get dry sometimes? Don't you feel empty? Don't you feel weary at the end of your tether spiritually? Nothing seems real to you? That's leaking. You need to be filled again. So there's that. Oh, that God would do that for us. More and more. Again and again. Oh, what what people we should be if God would do that for us regularly. And as a company, if God would come and and shake the walls. I don't know how much they can take, but, 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 but what does it matter? Fill us all afresh with his Holy Spirit. We wouldn't need the latest thing on the block, this little idea and, and, and that new method. And uh, you know, God bless all uh, methods and, and uh, attempts at, at spreading the gospel. But, but it's not the latest thing that's going to win people. It's God filling his people, filling them with joy, filling them with peace and power, anointing them so that they, 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 they can't stop from speaking. Uh, their their Christianity is contagious that's what we need isn't it brothers and sisters we need more of God so there's something that God does and then uh, there's one other aspect to the way the Holy Spirit works in terms of filling God's people and uh, I, I call it our responsibility so God's action on the one side when he comes he fills and our responsibility on the other side. And there's a particular verse, again in Ephesians, where you've been in recent weeks, where the Apostle Paul says this, 
Don't be filled with wine, which leads to debauchery and excess and wantonness. The Greek word is a strong word and connected with the idea of ultimate destruction and loss. Don't be filled with wine, which, which leads to that, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the way he uses this expression is really interesting. The first thing about it is this. It is a command. Now, when God comes, he breaks in. There may be conditions in the sense that we're hungry for him. And we're asking him to come and visit us and bless us. Now, there may be conditions like that, but we can't work it out. God is sovereign. But here, it's up to us. It's a command. You, God's people, go on being filled with the Spirit. The great writer of the last century, A.W. Tozer, he put it like this. We have as much of the Holy Spirit as we want. You say, I don't believe that. I want more. Do you really? If you do, how much are you crying for it? How much of a priority is it in your prayers, in your spiritual life? And the whole way that you go about things, are you really that hungry for it? Deep down, sometimes we have to say, well, maybe not. It would just be too disruptive to my comfortable little lifestyle and the way I go. I'm okay at the moment. So it's a command. It's up to us. And then a second thing about it is this. It is a continuous action. See, with that first one, it says, as they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell on them. The Holy Spirit came. There are different ways of, of, of describing his action. But he is sovereign. He comes. But here, we are told, don't be drunk with wine, but go on constantly being filled with the Spirit. That's what Paul is saying there. He uses a different tense for those of you who may be interested in grammar. So it, it's, it's a continuous, ongoing command. Go on and on and on, being filled with the Spirit. And then... There's also another side to it. Because the way the Apostle expresses this in that verse in Ephesians 5, it, it, it suggests an openness to God. Because he puts it in the passive. Uh, if, you, if you've done grammar, you know the difference between active and passive verbs and so on. Well, here the verb is passive. In other words, it is something that is done to us rather than us doing something. Okay? So, he expresses it in that way for this reason. That at the end of the day, it must still be God who comes to us and blesses us. But here, it is a response to our hunger, our desire, our longing for God, an openness to God. You know, sometimes when people speak about drunks, 
uh, particularly in a court of law, for example, after they've had their blood taken or a breathalyzer or something, a person is described as being under the influence. That's what Paul is talking about here in relation to this work of the Holy Spirit. Be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Be under the influence of God. To be under the influence, in the case of alcohol, it means it it affects uh, your speech, it affects your thought patterns, it affects your judgment, um, and uh, it it can affect your your walking and your standing, your your mobility and so on. You know what it's like and how, how, how we laugh at people who are under the influence. Now, how much am I under the influence of the Holy Spirit? I find all this so challenging, brothers and sisters, so challenging as I think about this and take stock of my life. Let's apply this to a church then. Let's apply this to the people of God. I was reminded just this week I came across this. I had it in my file and I just came across it. Many of you will have heard of the great preacher healing evangelist Smith Wigglesworth okay he died in 1947 and this is what he wrote very shortly before he died during the next few decades there will be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the churches of Britain the first move will affect every church that is open to receive it And it will be characterized by a restoration of the baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've seen it, haven't we? We're here today because we want to identify with that move, don't we? We're part of it. We glory in that, whatever people may say. The second move will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches. And to some extent, we're part of that too, aren't we? He goes on, in the duration of each of these moves, the people who are involved will say, this is the great revival. But the Lord says, no, neither is the great revival. Both are steps towards it. When the new church phase is on the wane, which I believe is true today, on the wane. Don't we get discouraged sometimes? Don't we wonder uh, where it's all gone? Haven't we enjoyed days of blessing and we long to enjoy them again? We long for them to come back. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Things aren't like they used to be. Uh, There's nothing wrong with feeling like that. Churches and Christianity goes through phases. And, And to my mind, there's no doubt that Things are on the wane at the present time. But listen, he says, when things are on the wane, there will be evidenced in the churches something that has not been seen before. A coming together of those with an emphasis on the word and those with an emphasis on the spirit. When the word and spirit truly come together, 
there will begin the biggest movement of the Holy Spirit that the nation, and indeed the world, has ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything that has been witnessed before, even the Wesleyan revival, even the Welsh revivals of former years. The outpouring of God's Spirit will flow over from the UK to the mainland of Europe, and from there will begin a missionary move to the ends of the earth. Isn't that challenging? Yeah. Let's, let's keep hungry for God. Let's not be satisfied. Let's keep knocking on the door. The, to, to the one who knocks, the door will be open. To the one who keeps on asking, uh, they will receive what they ask. Isn't that right? So that's how we must go. Here's a quote from a a, a great leader of the church in Scotland. Um, He was the generation after John Knox. Remember the wonderful story of John Knox and how he established the Protestant church in Scotland? Uh, uh, That was a revival. He was a man like Luther, for instance, in Germany or, or, or whatever. But listen to what he says. There have been great and glorious days in this land, but they have been small in comparison of what shall be. See that? What shall be. Brothers and sisters, we've hardly begun with God. There's more. There's more. You listening to me? There's more. Let's not be caught. Uh, unprepared and, and, and unwilling even to accept the new thing that God may do. But let's be on the front foot. Let's be stirring ourselves up. Let's be hungry for God. One final quote. And this one you may need to think about. But um, I believe there's a scriptural basis for it. There will come a time when the majority of mankind, both Jew and Gentile, shall come to Jesus Christ. He has had but little fruit as yet in this world, but he will have before he's done. He will have. Brothers and sisters, the best is yet to be. There are glorious days awaiting the church of Jesus Christ. We may be weak, we may be sidelined, we may have Cameron against us or whoever else, I think it's really funny. His dad is a vicar. He calls himself a Church of England Christian. Well, God knows his heart. He can deal with him. But it doesn't matter who. God is going to have the last word, brothers and sisters. The nations will come. The eyes of those who pierced him will be opened and they'll look on him and cry out to him. God hasn't finished yet. And it's people like you and me that he will use. And those who come after us, the next generation, so to speak. David's right when he says, it's not the next generation, they're the generation. And there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? So, hunger for God. Not being satisfied, longing for more, being open to him. Praying constantly to be filled and filled again with the Holy Spirit. Seeking Jesus, loving him, longing to know him better and to be lost in wonder 
love and praise. Amen. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, come to us anew this morning. Fill us again. Reveal Jesus to us. Flood our hearts and souls, our whole beings, with the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Oh, forgive us that we grow weary, that we uh, pedal along casually. We say we're too tired or we're too sick. Oh, God, may we know more of you, more about Jesus, more of your love, a deeper spiritual understanding of your word a greater passion for the lost, the lost of Hearn Bay, lost members of our families, lost across this world, Lord, with all the terrible things that are happening. Sometimes we wonder, what is God doing? We know deep down you're in control, but oh God, have mercy. Have mercy. Send your spirit to open eyes, to bring conviction, anoint and raise up mighty evangelists and messengers of this glorious gospel to go to the ends of the earth. Even the youngsters from this fellowship, may there be from among them great servants who will go into Islamic countries, into atheistic China, into the the affluent atheistic Uh, uh, continent of Europe because that's what it is in spite of all its protestations about its Christian background and into this land of ours undeserving though we are oh God revive us again pour out your spirit don't let us be satisfied with second best thank you for what you've done for us how good you've been to us We sensed you as we worshipped, even this morning. But we want more. Enlarge our hearts. Increase our capacity. Stir us up, O God. Keep us hungry. Keep us longing and reaching out and striving for you, even with our dying breath. Oh, hear our cry, Lord. And may your gospel be proclaimed throughout the earth. As you taught us to pray, Lord Jesus, may your kingdom come. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth, and thine be the power and the glory and the honour, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for listening. I hope you found something helpful and stimulating in what I've shared with you this morning. God bless you.